you ever seen those reels where it's people in like a social setting and they, um, instead of saying what you normally say in those social settings, you say the things you want to say, but you don't say? It, for whatever reason, whenever someone sings, in my mind I'm thinking, one of these days I'd love to see a pastor come up and say, well, you tried. And I, knew I, and, and I knew with you singing I could make that joke because that was great. And I sincerely mean that. Um, and, and in the same way, the, from, 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 the, from the pews, the, instead of an amen, you'd hear, let's hurry up there, preacher. Or uh, you pronounced that word wrong, preacher. Um, we've all wanted to say things like that, I'm sure. But that, that was great. I haven't heard that song in a long time. That's a throwback song. Joshua 24 tonight. If you're familiar with the book of Joshua, then you'll know this is the end. We've, we've reached the end. When do we start? January? Was it? I think so. Um, and so I've enjoyed the opportunities I've had. I've had a few of the, a few of the more difficult chapters, um, a few of the wordy with a lot of just names chapters. And so it's, it's great to have finish with, this, this is one of the greatest chapters, and uh, one of the greatest verses are contained uh, within all scripture uh, here in this. Uh, we'll, instead of reading right through it, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read through it as we go, and then I've got four quick thoughts. I hope will be a help to you uh, as, we, as we break down this chapter. Heavenly Father, thank you for Lord, a wonderful day in your house. Lord, thank you for the message, Lord, we heard uh, this morning and the challenge in it. Lord, I pray that you would help us to take that truth, Lord, apply it. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I uh, bring your word tonight. I pray that you would challenge us. Uh, Lord, as Joshua challenged his people uh, in his final days, Lord, I pray that we'd be challenged to make the same decision, to follow you or with our whole hearts. Lord, I pray that you'd be with the kids, Lord, in Awanas, uh, Lord, as that takes place right now, I pray that you would, uh, Lord, use that time of discipleship and uh, that they would choose to follow you with their lives. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, use us, and I pray your name would be lifted up. For it's your name we pray, amen. I love in a, um, a, a great motivational speech in a movie. Uh, you, you, I, I think you know what I'm talking about. There's, a, th- there's some type of game they're up against, some battle uh, the heroes are up against, and it, it, it seems impossible, it seems difficult, it, uh, it, it, it seems like it's not going to turn out well, and then the camera pans over to a, a single person, and uh, quietly music, motivational music in the background begins to play, and uh, that man or that woman or alien, I guess, depending on what genre of movie it is, uh, begins to speak, and uh, he, he, he gives this stirring speech, and the music gets a little bit louder, and the crowd begins to get fired up, the team, the individual, and even we as an audience, perhaps you've uh, experienced one of those, and after, after watching that and hearing that, you're like, man, I could go do that. I could take on the Nazis today. I could take on the Russians. In the, one of my favorites is in the movie Miracle uh, as, as, they, uh, as Coach Herb Brooks just stirs up the team in that, that 1980 Miracle on Ice, uh, if you're familiar with that. I'm not old enough to have been there when it happened, uh, but I enjoyed the movie watching it later. Or Remember the Titans is another great one. Uh, just some motivational speeches, get these teams going, get these people going. Aragorn, if we want to get a little nerdy, at the Black Gate as they're ready to storm Mordor. Uh, just, just some great, just some words that are chosen with the music just pumps you up. 
That's what Joshua 24 is. We're coming to the end of Joshua's life, and he gathers all the people together for what's essentially a farewell address. He's very old. He said in the last chapter, I'm old and well-stricken in years. He's 110 years old at this time. And he's seeking to motivate them to avoid complacency, avoid idolatry, and to press on serving God when he's gone. For 27 years, Joshua led the children of Israel. He had seen the impact that following God made, but he also saw some 60 years before, more than that, uh, he, he, he saw firsthand the impact of not following God and living in fear. And as a result, they wandered in the wilderness, even though he had chosen to follow the rest of Israel had chosen not to. His life was coming to a close, and he wanted to impart words of wisdom and a challenge to these people that he, that he loved dearly to continue to follow God. And it all comes to a climactic conclusion as he looks at all the people and he challenges them. The title of the message tonight is this simple thought. It comes right from the passage, and it also comes from the great words of wisdom of the Master Yoda. Serve or serve not. If you're familiar with that scene I'm talking about, and Luke Skywalker says to him, he says to Luke, Yoda says to do something, he says, I'll try, and he says, no, do or do not, there's no try. And when it comes to serving God, Joshua gives them those two choices. He said, serve God or serve someone else, but there's no in-between. There's not all kind of serve God, and I'll do my own little thing over here. Jesus said it well, ye cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve two masters. You either cling to the one or hate the other, or hate the one, cling to the other. We must make a decision. So here in verse 1, Joshua gathers all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. This place, Shechem, it was a very significant place. Speaking of the movie, Remember the Titans, there was, if, if you've seen it, you remember, they're in that training camp in the beginning. They're trying to rally together through this uh, time of segregation, and they're the only integrated school. And he brings them to Gettysburg, and the significance of that place makes the words that he says just that much more powerful. Here, Joshua gathers all of the people of Israel to Shechem, which was a very significant place. It was here in Genesis chapter 12 that Abraham, shortly after being called by God to go to a land that God said, I'll show you, that he builds an altar to God here in this place. In Genesis 33, it's another place where Jacob builds an altar. He calls it El Elohe Israel, which means the mighty God of Israel. Later in Genesis 35, it's the place where Jacob does exactly what Joshua asks the people to do. God says to Jacob in Genesis 35, I want you to go to Bethel. I want you to build me an altar there. And so he says to his family in verse 2, put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us rise up and go to Bethel. And then in verse 4, they gave to Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand and the, all the earrings which were in their ears and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. In that moment, 
Jacob saying, I need to forsake these gods that I've picked up along the way. We're going to bury them here. We're going to leave them behind, and we're going to be clean, and we're going to follow God. So now at the end of Joshua's life in this significant place, Shechem, he gathers all the children of Israel together. And the first thing he does is he recalls their past. Uh, An interesting word in Hebrew uh, that comes up over and over nearly 250 times in in the Old Testament is the word, it's pronounced chesed, chesed. And it means God's uh, extravagant love, grace, and kindness to Israel. It's something they didn't do anything to earn, and it's something that they could never lose by what they do. And Joshua emphasizes this extravagant love in these 12 verses. In verse 12, he says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, the father of Nacor. And they served other gods, and I took your father Abraham, from the other side of the flood. Notice all these things that God says that he did. Not the children of Israel, not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not Moses, not Joshua. This is what God did. And led them throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. I gave unto Esau, Mount Seir. In verse 5, I sent Moses, also an Aaron. And I plagued Egypt, which uh, according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt. Uh, verse, verse 7, drop down to the bottom. It says, your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites. I gave them into your hand that you might possess their land. I destroyed them from before you. And then he speaks of Balak and Balaam who sought to curse them. And verse 10, he says, I would not hearken unto Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you still. Uh, the end of verse 11, uh, speaking of the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. He says, I delivered them into your hand. I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you. And then in verse 13, and I have given you a land for which ye did not labor and cities which ye built not and ye dwell in them. Of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted not do ye eat. Uh, it was such an important reminder to Israel God had been incredibly good to Israel. They did nothing to deserve God's extravagant love. Here's a great truth for us. Our past informs our present, and our present forms our future. Our past informs our present, and our present forms our future. Because of my past, what I've experienced, what those who come before me have experienced, I can make decisions in my present that will alter the fu- my future, the future of my children, both for good and evil. And we see that play out in the story of the children of Israel throughout history. And then Joshua rallies them to pursue God. Notice in verse 14, he says this, Now... Therefore, I remember early on as I um, learning to study God's word, I remember someone saying, when you come across a therefore, stop, go back, and see what it's there for. Uh, and, and so oftentimes that word said, it signifies, because of what I just said, do this thing. And so he says, now therefore, what's the therefore? Because of God's extravagant love to you, 
Fear him. Fear the Lord. Serve him in sincerity and in truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve you the Lord. And if it seem evil to you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Where the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And here's that verse that no doubt the majority of us have somewhere in our house today on a piece of wood, on a piece of paper, on a piece of metal, something. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's a powerful statement, but it's much more powerful to have that statement written on our heart than written on pieces of wood, pieces of paper, pieces of art. Not not speaking against those. They're great. And I'm sure for some of you Etsy people, they're great moneymakers too. Um, But more powerful is one that's written on our hearts. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. That's what Joshua had decided. The people respond positively. They say this, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Those were strong, intentional words. They weren't saying, yeah, yeah, Joshua, we get it, we get it, we're going to serve God, whatever. No, they said, by the powerful, by, by, may the all-powerful God of the universe prevent us, forbid us from ever turning away from him. He said, for the Lord our God, or they said, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up. Kind of repeating what Joshua said. He brought our fathers out of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us all uh, in the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. In verse 18, the Lord drave out from uh, before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore, so we see that word again, because of that, because of what you said, and because we have seen it ourselves, we will also serve the Lord, just like you said, for he is our God. And then Joshua reminds them patiently, he tells them, you cannot serve the Lord, for he's a holy God. He's a jealous God. He'll not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he hath done you good. And the people said to Joshua, nay, but we will serve the Lord. And the people said to, uh, just read that. And Joshua said to the people, ye are witnesses against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord and to serve him. And they said, we are witness. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote the, these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it upon there under the oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And as I read that, I wondered, I wonder if this is the same, that same tree, that same tree that years before Jacob said, we're forsaking these, we're burying these here, and now there's this great stone. It might just be some other random tree, but either way, they're setting this witness, just like they've done in many other spots. There's this memorial saying, at this spot in Shechem, just like Abraham did, just like Jacob did, we're deciding we're going to serve God. It says in uh, in verse 28, so Joshua let the people depart. He was satisfied with what they had said, and every man into his inheritance. And so they depart Joshua this seemingly, this last time. Joshua did all that he could. He reminded them of God's goodness. He challenged them to serve God without reservation. He reminded them of the significance of this decision, one that was not to be taken lightly and one that could not be lived halfway. And then in verses 29 and 30, we find the the death of Joshua. It came to pass after these things 
that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnan Sherith, which is in the Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gash. So ends the life of one of the greatest men to live and one of the greatest men to lead God's people. For Joshua's whole life, he continually decided to follow God even when it wasn't easy. Joshua chose to fight against the Amalekites, choosing when it might cost everything. He chose to reject the golden calf at Mount Sinai, choosing when the flesh might have been satisfied. He chose to serve the Lord by serving Moses, choosing a humble place. He chose to believe God's promise about the promised land when the majority, choosing against the majority. Not always an easy thing to do. Joshua chose to take leadership of Israel and lead them into the promised land, choosing faith and courage instead of unbelief and fear. He chose to recognize the leadership of the captain of the Lord's army, choosing surrender to God. And then in verse 31, we see a regrettable preview of Judges. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. That's good. And all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua, which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. Now, that all sounds good. But what about after? Well, stay tuned. You'll see. Uh, But if, if you're familiar with the book of Judges, over and over and over, the nation of Israel went back on this decision, followed after strange gods, did terrible, terrible things in the name of idol worship. But in Joshua's life and the life of the elders, they served, but it was sad, it's sad to know what would come. And it's sad to know what will come in our lives when we choose to not follow him, choose to not obey him. Uh, We we, we don't live under the same covenant as as the children of Israel, but we try to tell our children this all the time. God always blesses obedience. God blesses us when we obey. It doesn't necessarily mean God makes us rich when we obey. God makes us healthy when we obey. Uh, God makes us live a, a long, wonderful life when we obey, but God blesses when we obey. Sometimes his blessings are not the same as our blessings, but I guarantee you his blessings are greater than the things we'd say, if God will bless me with this, if we would just obey, God will bless us in a way that we can't even imagine. So that's Joshua 24. The last two verses, um, we find, actually, we found the death of Eleazar, I think is who it is. It might be the son of Eleazar. I didn't study that part. Um, Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died. There we go. Uh, And they buried him in the hill that pertained to Phinehas, his son. And so, actually, as I was reading through this chapter, it was interesting to see kind of three deaths that we find here. Just kind of a side note. Find the death of Joshua, find the death who was uh, a prophet, find the death of Eleazar, a priest, and we find the burial of Joseph, who was a king, essentially. And uh, there's a greater than all three of these, a greater than Joshua, that is prophet, priest, and king, uh, that would one day come, and he's the one that we serve. So that is totally separate from the whole thought of this message, but that's the whole chapter. I want to wrap it up by giving you four thoughts Uh, Four thoughts about this decision to fear and follow God. Uh, We too are faced with this decision to serve God or to serve not God. Romans 13 says this, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore 
Cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Follow Jesus and forsake the junk. That's, what, that's a decision we all need to make today. I'm just going to follow Jesus and I'm going to forsake the junk of this world. So here's the four thoughts. A greater than Joshua calls us to follow him in sincerity and in truth. And so four quick statements. Number one, the decision to follow Jesus, it's a prudent decision. It's a prudent decision. Uh, back in verse 14, uh, Joshua said, now therefore, and we, we, we explained that a little bit already, uh, in, in their context, it was because of the extravagant love and goodness of God throughout their history, but the truth is, it doesn't matter if you, you're sitting here today, I know there's some of us in here today that come from a long line of, of, of Christian heritage. Your parents were saved. Your grandparents were saved. Their parents, and you could go all the way back to George Mueller or something. Um, but, uh, but I don't know why I picked his name. Um, but you go all the way back, but maybe you're sitting here today and you say, I'm a first-generation Christian. It doesn't matter that history. The history that does matter is found in Ephesians 2, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. And if that's not enough, that he made us alive, saving us from sin, the chapter goes on and says, and hath raised us up together and hath made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness to us through Christ Jesus. It just makes sense to serve Jesus because of all he's done, because he saved you, because he died for you. For some of us, we can stack even more blessings on that because our family's saved, because our children are saved, uh, because, and we could go on and on, of God's extravagant love to us. And in verse 15, when he says, if it seem evil unto you, really what he's saying is this, if after you consider all that God has done for you, and if you come to the conclusion that it would be inappropriate or be unwise to follow God, then make that decision. But if not, just like me and my family, we're going to serve the Lord. It's the wise decision. In John chapter 6, uh, Jesus makes some very difficult statements. In John chapter 6, to his disciples, there were many that were following him at the time. And in verse 66, it says this, from that time, many of his disciples went back. Some, some of them said, this is a hard saying. It says, many of them went back and walked no more with him. There were some at the, at the time that said, this is no longer a prudent decision in our mind. This is not appropriate for us to be following this man anymore. Jesus looks to the 12, and he says, will ye also go away? And Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life, and we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter said, I've considered all of my options, and it just makes sense. I'm going to follow you because you have the words of life and because we believe you're the Son of God. So it's a prudent decision. Number two, it's a personal decision. In verse 15, he says, If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve. The decision to serve God is not a decision I can make for my children. I pray all the time that my children would grow up to love and live for God for all their life. But I can't make that decision for them. I can make it for me. 
It's not a decision I can make for my wife. It's not a, a, a decision uh, that I can make for my friends. I can lead others to make that decision. I can set the example as Joshua did for his family. But at the end of the day, the decision to serve God is a personal decision. You must decide today if you're going to serve the Lord. And number three, it's a persistent decision. It's a persistent decision. In verse 15, Joshua says this, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Uh, Joshua offered an alternative uh, to, to, to those, we've discussed that, and, but his course was clear, his course was sensible, he chose to serve the Lord. Uh, one commentator uh, wrote about this verse, said this, the English uses the future tense here, but the Hebrew tense has a fuller meaning. It expresses continuous action. It involves the future, but can also point to the past. What Joshua was, was undoubtedly affirming was, I have chosen and I will choose. I've chosen in the, in the past and I've made up my mind I'm going to continue to choose in the future. When I decide I'm going to continue to do something and not just, I'm going to do this right now because it makes sense, because Joshua is speaking to me and because I've got all these people around. But Joshua is saying this, I've made the decision that even when things get tough, even when it's not easy, I've already predetermined I'm going to choose to continue to serve God uh, as I have in the past. Uh, the decision to serve Jesus as a faithful disciple is one that we must constantly renew. Uh, I understand the words of Robert Robinson in the hymn, Come Thou Found, when he said this, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Unfortunately for the children of Israel, as we enter into the book of Judges and beyond, they go back on this decision over and over and over. But may we, like Joshua, determined, I've chosen to follow Jesus. I will continue to choose to follow Jesus. No turning back. And then last tonight, it's a prudent decision. It's a personal decision. It's a persistent decision. But last, it's a powerful decision. In verse 20, after they had said, we're, gonna, we're, we're, we're definitely going to serve the Lord. He's done all these good things for us. He's our God. We're, we're going to serve him. And Joshua says, if you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you. After that, he has done you good. What Joshua is saying to them is this, and, and, and what we take away from it is this. The decision to follow Jesus is not a light decision. It is an impactful, powerful decision decision. Israel's future will be filled with disobedience, a refusal, a refusal to serve the Lord. Uh, she would become an unfaithful bride to a perfect husband, an ungrateful child to a faithful parent. The decision to wholly follow after Jesus is one that's filled with blessing beyond comprehension. It doesn't mean life will be easy. It doesn't mean life will be comfortable. Uh, as we talked about, the, as the preacher talked about this morning, it doesn't mean that life will not be full of sorrow, full of difficult seasons. But the decision to serve and worship Jesus wholly is a decision that has the power to impact the next generation. It has the power to impact eternity. What a powerful decision. Your personal decision today and tomorrow and next week and next month and next year, until God calls you home, to follow Jesus is a decision that can impact all of eternity, for the good or for the bad.
Obviously, the decision to not follow him is for the bad. Uh, but th- that decision, what we do with this choice, will impact eternity. So I challenge you tonight, choose you this day whom you will serve. What do you need to cast aside tonight? It's not a decision to take lightly. It's not a decision that can be, ta- that, that can be made half-heartedly. It's the greatest decision that each of us can make each and every day. Fear him and serve him in sincerity and in truth. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. Follow Jesus and forsake the junk. Serve or serve not, the choice is yours.